Ladies and gentlemen, kicking off the first stop on his world tour, our new president and prophet, Russell M. Nelson! You say you want some revelation, well here you go. It's gonna blow your freaking mind. Greetings, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the weekly Mormon News Roundup, where D-Bays and Al ruminate on the great spacious beehive. This week is August 7, 2022. We're back for episode 19. And we have a special guest joining us this week, John Ogden from UpliftKids.org. So going to join us. We're going to get to know him. And he's going to also talk to us about the news. Um, speaking of news, we've got a whole lineup this week. Um, we've got things that have everything where from a Mormon wife disgusted over her husband's weight gain, uh, the Associated Press story that broke this last week shining a light on the church sex abuse hotline, and the LDS Boy Scout sex abuse lawsuit. We got an update on that, along with former BYU valedictorian Matt Easton has now got monkeypox. And then we've got the uh, church also has endorsed its first female chaplain. So we've got some pretty juicy uh, articles this week where Excited to get to it. Welcome back, D-Base. Hey, it's great to be here. I was uh, was out for my uh, brother's uh, wedding, and it was absolutely tremendous. And we've got uh, John Ogden on the program this week. Are you there, John? I am, yeah. Hey, welcome to the Mormon News Roundup. Uh, appreciate you coming on to the program. Uh, now, you got a blog uh, yourself on uh, johnogden.medium.org, right? That's your blog, right? Uh, yeah. Why did you start that? I started it because I was already writing a book. Uh, the book was called When Mormons Doubt, and this was like a way for me to write down some of the ideas around the book, and then after I published the book to continue some of the conversation that I started around that. Okay. So what, what kind of content uh, do you put on your blog then? Uh, is this about like uh, topical things that people are... Yeah, it's mainly about Mormonism, and sometimes... Sometimes Mormon related politics occasionally, but mainly about Mormonism and religion in general. Okay. And uh, the book was just about how to how to find strong relationships when you disagreed about belief. All right. What has been the reaction to your blog? Well, yeah, it's uh, it depends on the article. Um, one of the pieces that got the most traction was like a letter, sorry, a letter to Latter-day Saints about uh, the election of Donald Trump. And mm-hmm. so that political one kind of got a lot of attention. Um, I think it got picked up by Medium and sponsored by Medium. And so that was one of the reasons for that. Mm-hmm. And then, um, some of the other ones like uh, about how the timeless ideals of truth, beauty and goodness uh, can be a way to find common ground when you disagree. That one also got a lot of attention uh, for the most part it's been really supportive occasionally i get detractors is, is to be mm-hmm. expected but um for the most part it's been great okay so uh what would you say is your intended uh, goal or purpose with with this blog trying to figure out what the how religion is evolving and how we can do it in really healthy ways uh whether inside or outside of religion you know whether you belong or you don't belong anymore that's not really mm-hmm. the, the point of that's not really my focus my focus is really on like okay uh, things are shifting pretty dramatically within religious spaces and how can we do that in a way that promotes well-being that's the question i'm most interested in interesting i like that yeah and you also you're probably best known for your website upliftkids.org what is that it's a project that i've been doing with some friends and um what we've done is create a curriculum for kids and so we have uh, school counselors, one of the people on this 
on the team, I'm a therapist in training, uh, somebody who's skilled in business. I do content creation and like curriculum design. And uh, the four of us got together. We met at a mindfulness retreat that lasted nine months. And over the course of the nine months, we started talking about we really liked what we were hearing, but we wanted to produce something that could reach kids. And sure. so that's where Uplift Kids came about. It's a curriculum that teaches um, timeless principles like kindness, compassion, gratitude, as well as wisdom practices like mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, how would you say that's being received? Uh, really well. We, we nearly have a thousand members Excellent. and um, it continues to grow. Uh, the feedback we get is overwhelmingly positive. Um, mm-hmm. People really like the, the ability just to be able to sign in and do a lesson on kindness, say, or gratitude, compassion again in the home and talk about it with their kids in a really expansive way because we pull from all the world's wisdom traditions, Christianity, Stoicism, Buddhism, Taoism, as well as like the mm-hmm. latest psychological research yeah and so uh john let me ask you what are you hoping to accomplish in the world world uh, in the world of mormonism and spirituality i'm hoping to be able to carve out space so that whether people uh, like believe or disbelieve or belong or don't belong they feel like they can have uh really strong well-being as they work through the the evolution of faith and the evolution of religion. So that's really what I want to see. I want to see um, just higher well-being despite whatever whatever beliefs you may or may not have. Excellent. Well, I, I certainly want to wish you the best. It sounds like your, uh, your goals and your purposes, your whole mission statement is very noble. So I uh, do wish you the best in that for sure. Yeah, is there any is there anything else you want to tell us about your personal life or career before we jump into this week's news? No, if people are interested, they can go to upliftkids.org and see our lessons. We have 90 plus lessons. We send a weekly email. They can sign up and get a free lesson. You know, there's a lot that you can uh, check out at upliftkids.org and then also my blog. I did just start a, a sub stack that's about what I call spiritual humanism. Mm-hmm. So that's John Ogden at dot sub john ogden dot substack dot com uh spiritual humanism is just like um trying to find the ways that different religions tie together okay well that's tremendous um thanks so much for coming on the broadcast we'll be uh, very interested to hear how you react to this week's news because we've got a lot of news uh, we do have a couple of follow-ups from actually i was out the last week when uh, ali did a great interview with devry anderson mm-hmm. um who's our sponsor over at signature books yep. and um the widow we covered two weeks ago the widows might report dropped a lds charities report onto their mm-hmm. uh, website which is uh the widows might report at wordpress.com and they actually sent me an email uh al uh mm-hmm. to, with a minor correction about uh church spending and they talked about how lds charities basically they basically reported about $100 million worth of uh, expenditures in the last year, not counting member-to-member pass-throughs, not counting fast offerings, about $100 million. And that it is separated, basically, 33% of that is cash giving to LDS Charities uh, partners. About a third of it is also goods and services, and then a third of it is uh, volunteer hours. And that's basically how you get to the $100 million. So that was a slight okay. clarification from the previous week. It's, it's not necessarily that what we covered was wrong, but uh, that's a little bit of a clarification. I did yeah. invite them onto the podcast, Al. Oh, did you? Uh, 
I did, yes. And uh, they responded back and they said that they uh, prefer that their work stands on its own two feet, that, that the work that they do uh, speaks for itself. But I, I did want to counter that. Remember, Jesus said, do men light a candle and put it under a bushel? Or do they uh, you know, light it and put it up so that everyone can see it and it gives light to everyone in the house? If you only put your work out on blogspot.com, and never go on any podcast or never do anything else, I don't think you, that their important message will get out there. And I don't think that there's enough subscribers to the Mormon News Roundup to, to get their message over the finish line because their message is really important. It, it certainly is. So we're going to send as much uh, traffic their way as we can because we certainly are, see them as the force for good that they are in this world. So yeah. appreciate them. Now, they did do an Ask Me Anything on Reddit a while back. So if they're able to do an Ask Me Anything, then I said I would even give them the uh, questions in advance to come on mm-hmm. the podcast so that they wouldn't be, uh, you know, ad hoc or impromptu. But uh, we're still yeah. going to work on them. So we'll invite them. Uh, widows might report to come on to this podcast yeah. uh, since we know that they are listening. Yes, they are. I, I do have one follow up from last week. You uh, you were gone, Dives, but I talked with Devry Anderson about the um, Orem Temple fire. Mm hmm. And I tried to find the source of that fire. Um, it, was it arson? Was it accident? Still nothing. And this is a couple of weeks out now. So I'm a little surprised um, when I went back to find out if there was a source to that fire. There's still nothing. It's kind of a mystery still. Well, Al, considering how well the church does with transparency, I am, for one, I'm absolutely shocked that we don't have all of the information that we need on this fire. No, I'm just kidding. Absolutely um, shocked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, maybe it came from the Rolling Stones. Come on, baby, light my fire. Is that the Rolling could Stones? could be. <laughs> it could have been from the Rolling Because Mick Jagger, remember, Mick Jagger, we had that one conference article about how Mick Jagger was mm-hmm. evil. Remember that one? That was yeah. Mick Jagger, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, Mick Jagger. He, uh, I think he was... Uh, the guy that um, was sitting next to Gene R. Cook on the on the airplane and said that the Book of Mormon was a lie. Very yeah. impressive, Al. Mm-hmm. Very impressive. <laughs> yeah. Nice work. Uh, so I blame the Rolling Stones. So okay. I, I, until I hear otherwise, <laughs> that's what I'm going to believe. Um, so yeah. also, by the way, we have our first for this week. We have our first listener submitted news article, Al, that uh, if you want to get in mm-hmm. touch with us, come over to Colob at mormonnewsroundup.org. That's K-O-L-O-B at mormonnewsroundup.org. Mm-hmm. And a listener submitted a news article for us to go over which I'm just going to mention very briefly, but it, uh, the title of the article is from the Washington Post. It says, stung by what he saw as stingy assistance, a Mormon man wrote a musical. So if you head on over to thegoodshepherds.net and open, um, go to thegoodshepherds.net, he wrote a musical that is basically about the LDS church and uh, them being stingy with their, uh, with their charitable outlook. Yeah. So they, 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 it's debuting here on August 18th through 20th, 2022, in the historic Egyptian theater in downtown Ogden, uh, mm-hmm. Utah. And it's been covered by the Washington Post and other things. So the, basically the story behind it is that this was a lifelong member of the church, served a full-time mission. He uh, lost his job and came on hard times, went to his bishop, and his bishop only offered him $40 a week for uh, you know benefits. Yeah. And that yeah. kind of rubbed him the wrong way. And so as an outlet, he wrote this musical. And now this musical is getting its debut. And, of course, I'm a musician. Um, I love music. So any of those listeners, mm-hmm. any of our listeners out there, go to thegoodshepherds.net. Check out this musical. Buy your tickets. Um, it should, should be very interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know that you'll find the same uh, type of humor in it that you would find in, say, Book of Mormon, the musical. But this will – I think it's all in good uh, fun, good humor. I, 
I'm excited to hear more about this one. I've been kind of watching this one as it's uh, come about, and I'm excited yeah. about this one. Yeah, the, the, the producer of it said that it wasn't going to be as rowdy and, yeah. uh, quite frankly, <laughs> as disrespectful as the Book of Mormon musical. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean, because uh, the Book of Mormon musical, don't don't get me wrong, has a few has lots of funny parts in it. Oh, but for it, sure. <laughs> it, it, it seems to cross a little too far, too many lines for even the most. <laughs> Even the most uh, avid ex-Mormon, it seems to cross the line. Yeah, I love those South Park guys. <laughs> <laughs> right. They are not ones to hold any punches or pull any punches on you. <laughs> yeah, I th- any other follow-ups from last week before we jump into the Mormon joke of the week? No, I think that was it. Okay, so here's your Mormon joke of the week here. So a high priest in Utah County recently asked his doctor during a routine checkup if he thought that he'd live to be 100 years old. And the doctor asked the man, well, do you smoke or drink? And no, said the high priest. I've never done either of those things. In fact, I don't even drink coffee. The doctor started to check his heartbeat with a stethoscope. Hmm. Well, do you gamble, drive fast cars, or fool around with anyone other than your wife? No, sir, said the high priest. I've never done any of those things either. Well, then, said the doctor, removing the stethoscope, why the heck do you want to live to be 100? <laughs> okay. Thanks for the courtesy laugh. Good that point. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Our first news article of the week, uh, we keep things pretty light humored around here, mm-hmm. is from LatterdaySaintMag.com. And the title of the article is Your Hardest Family Question. I'm turned off by my husband's weight gain. So this is a Q&A section that they have. It's kind of like a ask, what do they call that? Ask Abby? What, what do they call that? Dear Abby? Dear Abby or, yeah, uh, Ann Landers. Yeah, yeah and there you go. Ann Landers, Dear Abby. So she writes in and said, you know, my husband and I have been married for over 40 years. So she's got a picture of the husband on the couch. He's, you know, he's got three Big Macs with him. He's got the remote control in his hand. He, maybe he's gained a few pounds here. And she says that she, she she's tired of him being overweight. She doesn't want to be intimate with him. He can't even walk up the stairs. And he says, you know, what am I going to do? And basically the, uh, the, the, the question here, the answer is, hey, it's your husband. You know, his personal health is his responsibility. But, you know, you can help him lose some weight and don't beat yourself up over it. Uh, I just find this to be a rather <laughs> funny article here. Did you read the article there, John, about uh, the husband's weight gain? I did, yeah. That, yeah, it's pretty <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, here at the Mormon News Roundup, we only cover the hardest-hitting and vitally important news stories, first of all. Um, You know, and uh, let's just be honest. Obesity, that's the second leading cause of death in the United States. That's no laughing matter, right? Sure. No, absolutely not. And and I don't think – we're in episode 19. I don't think I've ever said this before, Al. I've never said this on this podcast, but Mm -hmm. I think I speak for all of my co-hosts that our thoughts and prayers are definitely with this husband. Well, I know mine are because uh, I'm a fat kid myself. Yeah, I've got some weight. To, I definitely. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I, I've got some weight to lose myself. So, I, I, first of all, <laughs> I'm calling on all of our listeners to put this man's name on your local temple prayer roll. Well, <laughs> that's really decent of you. <laughs> well, you know, uh, wait a minute, Al. We don't have his name. Then he's we don't. Name he's anonymous. Mm-hmm. So, how about Latter Day Saint Fat Dad? Is or is that disrespect? Well, I, I like that. Let's go into the temple prayer rolls and we'll put Larry Saint Fat Dad on there. Okay, Larry. There could be a lot of them on. You know, I just have a small suspicion that he might not be the only one on there. No, they're, they're, we we want to blanket cover all of them. You know. <laughs> okay. So I mean, this is hitting for me, Al. Like you said, this is hitting mm-hmm. way too close to home, and yeah. it's not below the belt. <laughs> but let me tell you, it is right around that belt area. <laughs> and I always wonder with Latter Day Saint Mag guys. 
this is your hardest gospel question? This is in their hardest question section. Now, why is it? You know, I've been following the Latter-day Saint Mag's hardest question section for a while. You know, I know this is not an official publication of the church. Let's just let's just make sure that that is very mm-hmm. clear. This is this is not an official publication of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Sure. But for some reason, guys, my hardest gospel questions never seem to appear in the Latter-day Saint Mag hardest questions section. I can't figure out why. Uh, I maybe uh, are you sending it from Colob at mormonnewsroundup.org? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's maybe, the wrong email. Maybe we're getting address. blocked because of the email that's coming from. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Maybe. Well, I, hey, if a message, if an email is coming to you from Colob, shouldn't that bring it up to a high priority list? I, one would think. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to come from a, a, a better source than Colob, I would imagine. I, I answer every email that comes straight from Colob. I, yeah. You better believe it. I, honestly, I do ask you the question, does Latter-day Saint Max, are they trolling us? Or are they serious? Because these questions are so, am, am I just disconnected? They're these, really weak for being hard-hitting questions. <laughs> these are not the hardest gospel questions I've ever heard of. And they're, and they're never the hardest gospel questions. I, I really want, I want to know, are they trolling us or is this a serious situation? Are they just trying to get likes? Or are they serious about all of this? Uh, uh, what is this? Uh, the uh, LDS equivalent of cosmopolitan? Yes, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's what it seems like. I mean, the last couple of times that we've talked about LDS mag and this, uh, their hardest questions, that's what it's been is pretty uh, vain and superficial things. Yeah, it's kind of like those polls on the front of Cosmo. Yeah, you know? exactly. Ten ways to seduce your man or whatever it is. I. I mm-hmm. I, obviously, I need to get more into those news. But, John, we have a, a poll that goes along with every one of our episodes, and we it's available on Anchor. And we're going to ask you to take our poll uh, that goes sure. along with this, available on Anchor only. So if you scroll all the way to the bottom, by the way, uh, regarding this, uh, we're going to read these uh, questions to you with the answers. And we want you to answer, to be the first listener to answer this poll according to the suggested comments. So, um here is the question, and I will read you the uh, responses. So here's the question. Regarding this week's Latter-day Saint magazine article about an LDS woman's husband's unsightly weight gain, what is the most Christ-like response? Al? Is it one, follow the prophet. Brigham Young had 56 wives and literally never gave a second thought to his figure. Yeah, I don't think that he did. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he didn't. Yeah. No. In fact, he didn't even have children with all of his wives. He definitely had a pecking Plus, if some of his wives thought he was attractive or not. So, hey, Very if true. it's good enough for Brigham Young, it's good enough for the rest of us, right? That's right. Totally. Okay. Uh, or number, is it number two? Number two, buy him a treadmill. Great priesthood power should not mean great priesthood waistlines. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of truth to be said to that. The, the, the cold hard truth is, is important. Mm-hmm. Or is it number three? <laughs> Let it slide. The word of wisdom is very strict on coffee, but completely silent on scarfing down Little Debbie's snack cakes. Yeah, it is. It's, you know, coffee, that's a big deal. Little Debbie snack cakes, no big deal. That's right. So, Complete silence yeah, in, uh, in DNC 89 there. That is correct. <laughs> uh, number four, your husband needs to repent. It's all fun and games until your jeans don't fit. Hashtag chicken tender mercies. Yeah, hashtag. Now, this is, the t- this is what we need to get trending here, guys. Hashtag chicken tender mercies. Because what? Well, first of all, what are tender mercies? <laughs> tender I mercies. Know, I, love, I love chicken tender mercies. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so tender mercies is when God is helping you out, right? That's what. Ten, that's that's right. what tender mercies is all about, right? <laughs> yeah. 
So we need help with weight. So chicken tenders, obviously he's had one too many chicken tenders. That's right. If you combine those together, logically speaking, hashtag chicken tender mercies. That's that's what we need to get trending this week, guys. (laughs) Or number five. Number five. No big deal. I mean, have you seen pictures of Orson Hyde? John, have you? I haven't. I haven't seen. I've seen his face. But, but believe me, just leave it. Just, just don't Google it. Okay, don't just Google leave it, it at that. That's, okay. Do not scroll down. Okay. <laughs> jolly. Yeah, just leave it there. In All fact, right. also Willard Richards. Do not Google either yep. one of these guys. <laughs> okay, just the face yeah. is all you need. That's that's all you need. Okay, so I mean, yeah, pictures of Orson Hyde. Yeah. This guy in the picture on the Latter-day Saint mag, he makes Orson Hyde, uh, you know, he's a 10 compared to Orson Hyde. So, <laughs> okay. What about number six? Number six, put your husband's name on the temple, temple prayer roll. If that fails, send it to the Strengthening Church Members Committee. Right. I mean, they're supposed to strengthen the members. That's what I read in an article somewhere. I don't know where I read that. But if it is Strengthening Members Committee, I'm sure that they would want to strengthen him. Right, Al? <laughs> that, that's exactly what I would think. <laughs> that, that's the name of the committee. Yeah. Or is it number seven? Number seven, daughter, hearken unto thy husband as he hearkens unto the fast food drive through speaker. Uh-oh. Hashtag celestial size me. Yeah, I've heard of super size me. <laughs> that gets you. I think super size would be like terrestrial kingdom. Yeah. But exactly. celestial size me. Now we're talking. Yeah. Now you're getting a bucket of soda with your fries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So John, which one of these, I, I know this may not represent your perfect views, but it's, it's, uh, it's an imperfect podcast, John. So which one of these, uh, which one of these best represents how you feel, uh, uh, what the uh, most Christ-like response is to this latter, uh, the most difficult gospel questions. I got to say, I, I do like the, uh, Invention of chicken tender mercies. That's pretty good. Nice. <laughs> nice. So I'll go yes. four. That's okay. two votes for number four. <laughs> We're gonna get that to trend. We are that is gonna be trending top five on Twitter by next week. We'll follow up and see if hashtag chicken tender mercies is trending. Okay, so that's our first news article. Okay. Uh, let's go on to our, our second news article. Sure. So this one's from uh, Twitter. And so President Russell Nelson tweeted. Um, he had a tweet that said, I plead with you to take charge of your testimony of Jesus Christ, work for it, own it, care for it, nurture it so that it will grow, then watch for miracles to happen in your life. And got a lot of likes, but uh, there was also some vitriol in response to this. Uh, I don't really see exactly what specifically would have caused the vitriol. I mean, my, my sense is on Twitter, if something goes big for any reason, then it gets a lot of backlash. And so it seems like this one could have potentially just gotten a lot of likes and then got yeah. more reach than usual. And because of that, simply uh, a lot of people responded to it negatively. Because uh, from what I can read in the responses, it doesn't seem like people are, who are responding negatively are necessarily talking about the content of this tweet. Uh, they're more just trying to dunk on the church. And so that's my read of it. I don't know if either of you have a different read. Yeah, I mean... This advice, I don't see anything whatsoever that anyone honestly could take any umbrage whatsoever, even the most uh, anti-Mormon, you know, uh, light, you know, Mm -hmm. foaming at the mouth anti-Mormon. I don't think you can take much uh, issue with this. You know, uh, follow Jesus and miracles will basically follow Jesus and good things. This is the sum up of the tweet. Follow Jesus and good things will happen. 
You yeah. cannot find a more innocuous tweet than that, I don't think. Mm-hmm. But you look at these yeah. comments. <coughs> mm-hmm. Some other things in here. Uh, if you have to try that hard, maybe it's just not very convincing, Russ. Or yeah. another one of the uh, the comments in here is, uh, well, do I still have to pay my tithing or 10% or not? Or other people, I still can't find my keys, I guess, mocking his prayer abilities. And it just goes on and on about absolutely just slamming these. Who types these platitudes in for you? I mean, Twitter is a mm-hmm. brutal, brutal place. Yeah, they uh, everybody's looking to become Twitter famous, too, by, uh, you know, punching back on the people that make any kind of a comment. So, <clears throat> I, I mean, personally, it seems like a very uh, vanilla post. I, I, It seems very safe. I think you're absolutely right, Divas. It's uh, as simple as just uh, work on your relationship with Jesus and good things will follow. I mean... And, and let me tell you, I looked, the reason I put this in here for this week's comments is when I looked at it at the beginning of the week, there were even many worse comments. Those have since been cleaned up. They didn't get all of them. It's mm-hmm. kind of like whack-a-mole. Every yeah. negative comment that you put down, two more spring up. I mm-hmm. mean, these are just punching bags for people to just absolutely unleash. And they yeah. have, like you said, John, they have absolutely nothing to do with the content yeah, totally. that was tweeted out. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, how does why does such a seemingly innocuous tweet unleash such vitriol? Is that normal? Or I mean, this doesn't have that many tweets. It doesn't have that many likes. It doesn't have that many retweets. And it's not controversial. Um, I, I think that with a lot of it, you get um, what taint. It's tainted by the person who's giving the tweet that, uh, you know, he's the current leader of the LDS church. A lot of people that have left the LDS church, there's still some hard feelings there. So I think that they just don't really have anything nice to say about uh, anything that uh, Russell M. Nelson has to say. Man. Yeah. It, it just, it's honestly, it's a sad state of discourse in our public sphere when um, a seemingly very innocuous, I mean, it's not like he said, hey, uh, just so you know, the Mountain Metal Massacre was no big deal. Or, hey, everybody, we're going to up tithing to 15%. Or, uh, hey, everybody, you know, um, know, we're we're all moving back to Jackson County, Missouri. You know, this is Mm -hmm. about as safe as a comment as you can give. And Mm -hmm. it's the level of backlash to me. Really, I mean, it takes me back. It's just, it's amazing. It's disproportionate. You're right. It's just amazing. And honestly, I think it's very sad. Yeah. So, um, I do, I do. I don't know. I think people look at these tweets. We can. I think we say here that President Nelson probably doesn't scroll down and read these comments. I think different platforms. He's on Facebook, mm-hmm. on Twitter. He's on. Uh, they're on Instagram. He's scrolling at night, reading down these comments, seeing what people are saying. I think that the, I'm going out on a limb here to speculate, but I'm I'm just going to speculate and say he does does not read those comments. But people, yeah. when they're tweeting back to him. They're hoping for some possibility that they're actually engaging with him. And mm-hmm. so they're going to engage with him in any way that they can, <laughs> with either the cheap shots or True. whatever else that they, their little pet peeves or whatever else they have in mind. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I guess that's why people do it. I don't know. I, I, I don't well, find it to be very sad. That, that's sad if people are really trying to provoke a 90 some odd year old man into right. a, a Twitter. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> 
who's who's he never unlike Elon Musk, President Nelson never engages with the bottom comments. Elon Musk, when you tweet uh-huh. to him, sometimes he will just uh, reply back to a random person. Shamelessly. Yeah, yeah. President Nelson, he yeah. he's never done that and he never will. Yeah, exactly. He's he's above that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh how about our next article there, Al? Uh, we're moving over to California on this one. We've got a mom of three who is age 39, and she has revealed that she is a, uh, leading a secret double life as an online model who makes $37,000 a month. We're going to the, the Daily Mail on this one, um, and the, the exciting thing is is she's active LDS. So we've, wow. got, the, we've got another one of these, um, uh, uh, what, uh, OnlyFans uh, Mormon moms. Hey, let me just ask you real quick before you get into it. How does she feel about overweight dads real quick? Um, you know, it seems to me that if they, as I read through the article, um, she likes OnlyFans because unlike most porn, OnlyFans uh, makes the user feel like they have a connection or a relationship with the, um, the model, should we call her? Okay. Well, I'm just guessing. I've heard, you know, I've never been on OnlyFans, but I've heard that the people who are on there, a lot of times the, the old joke is that they're 600 pound guys in the basement. Mm-hmm. And if they're, going, if they're going for the Mormon mom, very good chance that they're overweight. So maybe she's into them. I don't know. Yeah. Hey, as long as she doesn't ever have to, like, you know, see him in person or, you know, and, and he pays her money, I think she's perfectly fine communicating with him over the internet. Right. Yeah. So in the article, though, she's she's posing. She's she's got this is a side by side photo of her first in front of the temple here. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the next photo has her half dressed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, she's a, a, a pretty blonde lady, um, middle aged. She's 39. She's you know starting to show some crow's feet and her arches have fallen somewhat. But even so, you know, she's in pretty good shape still. Fairly fit. Well, she's but making she's, four. Thirty-seven yeah. a month. I picked the wrong line of work. Well, I'll say, you know, I need to, I need to start putting my feet on OnlyFans. <laughs> my goodness, that is. And she says that she's uh, doing it in the safety of her own home. She mm-hmm. is just having uh, racy pictures. So, uh, yeah. to not to children or anything, to consenting adults, racy yeah. pictures. Um, but, is that? But she's uh, also is, open with her kids about this. Yeah. Yeah, she, I mean, she's not ashamed of it. She's very proud of the fact that, hey, you know, everybody, people are sexual creatures. Everybody, you know, enjoys porn and masturbation. So I may as well, I'm just going to be smart about it and get paid for it. And yes, so but- she's very positive with her with her kids and uh, especially her daughters about it. Yeah, she's still very active. In fact, one of her pictures, uh, when you scroll down to the pictures, uh, be careful, by the way, when you're scrolling, guys, on those pictures, by the way. But mm-hmm. if you if you scroll down on the pictures, she's in the foyer of an LDS chapel with her two kids in the foyer of the chapel. She mm-hmm. seems to be very active. Yeah. But she, she does dedicate you're... Sundays to the Lord, she says. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> and she and she won't allow the use of foul language. Well, she has at least she has her priorities. Yeah, exactly. I guess um, well, th- th- those were under the. Uh, the rules of the Mormon religion. So, you know, she's, she's got her priorities, but let me tell you, Divas, when it comes to compartmentalizing your life, this lady is something else. Yeah. She says that uh, she's not worried about being kicked out of the church because Mm -hmm. quote, I just won't allow it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, whoa. You know, that that's spoken from uh, somebody that has less authority than a 12 year old boy. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, I'm, I I didn't know that that was how I didn't know that that was how that worked. Yeah. And she says she's not worried about being kicked out because the uh, the men in her church don't follow her Instagram account. As far as she knows. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as far, you'd be and surprised the, out yeah. there. You know, the, yeah. the church has an internal research department uh-huh. and they uh, about every single one of the surveys they send out uh, has a pornography aspect of some kind. I've yeah. heard that the numbers are uh, pretty high, upwards of 40 percent. So, Oh, for sure. I mean, where does honestly, where does she think that the thirty seven thousand a month is coming from? That's true. Yeah, where is it coming from? Um, so, uh, John, should she be excommunicated over this? Again, she's she's not having sex with anyone. She's only sending risque photos to adults in a subscription service. Still a good mom. So essentially, uh, basically, what, what from what I'm seeing, she says she's very active, posing pictures in church, no swearing, living the gospel, does everything right, except for she sends racy pictures online. Should, is that excommunicatable or what? Uh, I don't know if I personally believe in excommunication, period, uh, oh. but, <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I think I got to say that she's smart with PR moves. Uh, I think this is a good PR move mm-hmm. to like have the have the paradox, you know, it's like, how can this how can these two things exist simultaneously? Yeah. Um, so I think it's savvy on her part. Uh, that much I know for sure. As far as excommunication, I'd probably say no. And neither should anybody else. Okay, you're anti. You're well. They they don't call it excommunication anymore. The removal of the records, names off. Oh, no, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so you're you're yeah. you're generally against that. But what about the? Let me just ask you. What about the good name of the church? Because she's identified herself as a Mormon OnlyFans model. You know, when you're baptized, you covenant to follow Jesus Christ and to stand as a representative and all that other stuff. Um, it, 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 at any point, is should your membership be called into question for doing something, especially now that you're openly uh, saying that you're Mormon, uh, you know, victory for Satan, sorry, uh, a mo- uh, <laughs> member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints? I, I mean, I think the PR from the church could come out and say, uh, this isn't representative of, of us, and that could oh. be the extent of it. Uh, but beyond that, I don't mm-hmm. know. It, I, I, I can understand why the institution itself would want to excommunicate somebody like this. That makes complete sense. I just personally, it, it feels a little off to still be excommunicating people in 2022, but Mm-hmm. Just my opinion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, with regards to her using the term Mormon, uh, it, it seems to me that the LDS church would have to pick a side on that. I mean, either you're going to own the phrase or the term, or mm-hmm. you're going to abandon it. And if you abandon it, then you know somebody else is allowed to pick it up. Oh, later. Yeah. That's yeah, an interesting point. Yeah. <clears throat> it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you look at the style guide for the church, the style guide of the church says don't refer to us as Mormons. And so if she's referring to herself as a Mormon, I mean, yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting point. I like your thoughts there, John, about, you know, in the early days of the church, excommunication used to be much, much, much more common than it is. Yeah. And they used to be rebaptized within a week or two. Something wrong. They wouldn't attend their meeting with one of the revolutions. They would be excommunicated at and then mm-hmm. we back time later and everything you know, so let's just move along well, exactly. it seemed like it was uh the membership in the church was a lot like a big game of red rover back then yeah yeah things are when people get mm-hmm. i think i read an article that if you get your now uh 97 percent do not uh have them do not do that to 97 percent so 97 percent that's pretty high Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's pretty high. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so you wonder what's going to happen. Again, this is a game of Bishop Roulette. So, you know, now mm-hmm. that she's uh, been in the news, uh, certainly the Strength and Church Members Committee um, it certainly knows about her. And if her bishop doesn't mm-hmm. already know about, about her, then they're going to put the, the pictures. Now, this is one assignment. Let me tell you, gentlemen, I bet the Strengthening Church Membership Committee, I bet that there's a lot of people looking for this particular assignment. I'm just going to go out on a limb. Here. <laughs> <laughs> you may be seeing some people in there uh, working overtime on this case. This is an important <laughs> case, guys. There's okay. a whole quorum of gentlemen that are working feverishly day and night on this yes. case. <laughs> Especially at night. I have a feeling that it's going to be mostly at night. Yeah. <laughs> um, with a detailed dossier that could be uh, given to her bishop. Uh, and you wonder what her bishop's going to do, and that's certainly up to the bishop. That's why they call it the bishop roulette. So, mm-hmm. you know, the thing about a lot of these uh, excommunications and membership removals is you'll have one bishop. You, know, you say you have a podcaster or say you have a controversial person like mm-hmm. this woman is who uh, is doing something that's maybe on the edge. Uh, you know, you'll have one bishop that's perfectly fine with it. And then five years later, you'll have a new bishop or a new state president comes in and boom, they're gone for the exact same thing. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, hey, what changed? And well, what changed is the person who was involved. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, she's, she's going to be rolling the dice every single uh, bishop changeover to see until uh, one of these bishops. Uh, vent- I mean, eventually one of these bishops, all it takes is one person to. Yeah, uh, just like roulette. <laughs> yeah, it takes us one for one time that chamber to be it full. And yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, what about this? Uh, what about our next article there? Al? And uh, uh, you know, uh, speaking of owning the term Mormon, <laughs> so mm-hmm. we'll, uh, we're going to head down to, uh, well, I guess he's in, is he in Texas right now in a prison in Texas? Yeah. I Warren, yes. Warren Jeffs. Yeah. Uh-huh. FLDS yeah. leader Warren Jeffs. He's, um, he's sent out a message to his flock um, that is saying, Hey, uh, you know, everybody needs to start praying that uh, the prophet gets released from prison and then he will soon uh, be walking among you again. Now, this is the same Warren Jeffs that's uh, serving a life sentence because of uh, child brides and human trafficking and, uh, you know, all the other things that he was in prison for. Um, But this one's coming from Fox 13 on uh, August 1st. And, uh, yeah, his uh, brother, uh, Helaman Jeffs, is the one that uh, got this message out uh, from the prison to the people. And so I can only imagine that... um, the people who are former members of the FLDS, I'm, I'd be really interested to see what feelings this brings out to them. The statement itself says, pray that Warren Jeffs will go free and he can meet you in your congregation soon. All peoples who desire to be members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on Earth, the document states. Um, so, you know, it's, I find it interesting that he's uh, still calling his church the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but okay. Um, yeah, it's just amazing the amount of control that he still has. Yeah, I mean he, he does, and his uh, his followers, boy, they're they're uh, diehard, you know, died in the wool kind of people. They're real, they're staunch, and uh, so when it comes to the ones that are still holding on, I'm sure that you know he's got as tight a grip on them as he ever did. But I'm really interested in the ones that have left the fold and that you know have walked away from that. Uh, you know, what do they think of it? Because, you know, like the people on uh, Keep Sweet, Pray, and Obey, the survivors and those who escaped, um, what, what are they thinking with regards to this? That's what I want to know. Well, I think that uh, the uh, the population of Hill 
for Colorado City. I think it peaked at around two, 2003. Yeah. And since that time, um, you know, even they started seeing people do these journeys for Zion Ranch in 2006. Mm-hmm. And then when uh, Warren Jones finally put in prison in 2008, um, I think that the uh, population of the, those two twin cities have been on the decline ever since. I mean, I think yeah. they peaked. I honestly it peaked somewhere around a population of around 15,000. You're right. And it, it seems like the FLDS are not so focused on southern Utah, the Hillville, Colorado City, city area. Um, they're starting to leave Short Creek and they're like going other places, um, yeah. even to the other end of the state up in northern Utah, you know, up by the Idaho border. Really? A lot of uh, polygamists up in that area. So. Okay. Yeah, it, really interesting to see uh, how all this is changing. And um, you, you'll see a lot of uh, people, um, you know, out and about in the community uh, wearing prairie dresses with the um, approved hairstyles. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of surprising where you see more and more of uh, the polygamous open and out in the community. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, the federal and the state governments have been pressuring the, that community for years. You know, political mm-hmm. and legal pressures from the federal government, Utah, Arizona, Texas, litigation from former uh, LDS members, you know, the breaking up of the, uh, the United, the, was the, I always forget the name, the, the, uh, their, their United Effort Plan, UEP, oh, down yeah. the breaking up the yeah. UEP. <laughs> and also the government also saying, hey, you know, what, we're, we're not going to get duped by the, uh, you know, the welfare benefits. I know they're technically not welfare benefits, but <laughs> the, 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 the SNAP benefits and the yeah. other uh, shenanigans that they're playing that they really, you know, tried to close the door on all mm-hmm. of their, uh, all their shenanigans down there. Uh, a milking, as they say, uh, what did they call it? Bleeding the beast? That's yeah, their favorite the term. <laughs> you know. All of that, plus Warren just being in jail, you're just, you know, and, and it's, tw- it's 2021. People have cell phones. People have mm-hmm. access to the outside world now, and they yeah. can see what they're missing in ways that they couldn't earlier. Yeah. Uh, John, did you read this article? Did, did you have any thoughts about it? Not about this one, no. Okay. Very nice. Okay. Our, our next article here uh, is also is uh, take uh, this next article is the church taking uh, the first step towards giving women the priesthood. Is that is that, am I reading this right, John? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to see. This is in the church news, and it's and the title a church endorses its first female military chaplain. And so this uh, woman named Jen- Jenna Carson, she was a return missionary and a Harvard Divinity School alum. She's been made a chaplain by the LDS Church. And so it is an interesting um, first, I would say, because um, she, she talks about how and she wasn't sure what she was going to do after she'd get an English degree. And um, somebody asked her, like, have you thought about Harvard Divinity School? And she felt like she was called to go there. And so she ended up going. And since that time, um, she, you know, she didn't know exactly what to do after she finished, but she was eventually endorsed as a military chaplain. And so it, it does open some interesting avenues. I mean, I know that uh, there are a lot of things that a lot of people wanting more roles for women, understandably, and so this one opens that up. Al, do you think that this is a first step towards uh, giving women more responsibility, maybe even a priesthood? Um, you know, it, it certainly opens a door there, and uh, I think that you probably understand as well as anybody, the evasive me with your uh, military status. 
of what the what role a chaplain ha- uh, takes because from my understanding the chaplain is the one that uh, organizes the meetings presides over them and directs them and uh, handles a lot of things like <clears throat> for, for instance an LDS uh, chaplain uh, would be responsible for running sacrament meeting for the LDS uh, yeah. uh, troops, right? Yeah. yeah. So if she's a chaplain, then she'd have to, uh, there's got to be at least some sort of give there somewhat into saying, well, she has, she's authorized to organize the, the meeting or run the meeting or set it up in some way. I mean, maybe yeah, that, she maybe she has the maybe under her direction, the priesthood holders actually handle the sacrament or, uh, you know, whatever priesthood responsibilities the meeting may have. But it seems like it opens a door. Yeah, yeah, it, it opens it a crack. And, and you're right. The, the problem here is, is that she can't preside over the meetings. Yeah. You know, so if uh, you were in a far flung <laughs> destination and a service member uh, wanted to get baptized, she wouldn't be able to perform it. If uh, he wanted to get the sacrament or if you were in a, in a faraway place where there was only women church members, uh, mm-hmm. they wouldn't be able to have the sacrament. So that's one of the issues. Now, she is set apart by a member of the 70. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and setting apart from a general authority for a calling, there's only a few women in the church that are set apart for their callings mm-hmm. by general authorities. Yeah. It's not a big list of people, you know. No. So uh, what, uh, a couple of other things. It's interesting that the chaplains, they receive more, they have more credentials. They have more requirements, military chaplains, than uh, members, uh, than state presidents, than area authority 70s, than apostles. Mm-hmm. So you, have to, you have to have divinity degrees. You have to have a master's in counseling. You have to have theology credentials. You have a massive list of things and extra schooling that you have to go to to become uh, LDS endorsed military chaplain. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really quite significant. The bar is very, very high for these chaplains. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, they send only the best can make it a through the military chaplain school. You have to be a member of the military, make it through boot camp, make it through chaplain camp. Then you have to get divinity degrees. Then you have to counseling degrees. You know, you have to have basically, you know, almost a PhD level of education. I mean, it is just tremendous wow. what you have to go through to be able to jump through the hoops to get this. Uh, you have to have interviews with general authorities. You're, you know, she was denied. I read in the article she was denied becoming a chaplain earlier because she was divorced. Mm-hmm. And, and believe it or not, that was a stumbling block of saying, you know, we can't have somebody who's divorced. So um, wow. at least it's a positive step in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? And I think it is is. a small crack. I I think is a small, all of these small cracks are cracks on the way to getting women the priesthood. Honestly, this is kind of like the Palestinian-Israel conflict. We all know what the end state's going to be. Israel and Palestine eventually both have their own nations. It's going to be a two-state solution. And it's just the only way they can Mm -hmm. be resolved. And women eventually in the church are going to have the priesthood. It's just the question of how much pain and suffering along the way that it's going to be, it's like Palestinian-Israel conflict. How many people along the way are, you know, how many people along the way have to mm-hmm. you know, get in the way before we actually see the solution? Our LDS church sure. did it back, what, in the 80s? 80, mm-hmm. I'm going to say like 85. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when is the church going to get around to doing it? You know, I yeah. hope, you know. Exactly. Uh, anything else on this article, guys? No, I think we're ready to move on. 
Okay, so our next article here, and like I said, this was our two biggest uh, biggest articles of the week are for the end. But uh, Matt Easton, you know, the famous BYU valedictorian, uh, he contracted monkeypox um, this last week, and he tweeted out about it, saying that you know he contracted monkeypox. Now, when I very first saw this tweet, uh, you know, is it safe to say? First of all, is it safe to say that Matt Easton and David Archuleta are the most famous gay Latter-day Saints, John? Would that be an accurate statement? Uh, I think so. Yeah, can't think of anybody more famous than those two. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be one of those two. As long as Osmond's still in the closet, yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I know, that was terrible. terrible. Doesn't he have like six kids? I don't even know. Okay. I, don't, I know that all of, his, uh, all of his six brothers and sisters have six kids at least, so yeah. Okay, so I I think he's certainly he's either the the most prominent gay Latter-day Saint or he's second. Probably David Archuleta's first, Matt Easton is second. Mm -hmm. So the question and the monkeypox that, you know, there's only been a few hundred cases in the United States. It's somewhat localized and it appears to be concentrated in a lot of the gay community. Mm -hmm. Um, They're saying that it is is you're contracted from intimate contact. It's not technically the CDC does not technically say that it is an STD. But it is in the gay community, and uh, it is transmitted uh, frequently from intimate contact. Um, so the question that I have, uh, for, let me ask John. John, let me ask you this question. Was this a brave tweet that Matt Easton said admitted that he got monkeypox? Was that brave in tweeting that out? Um, <clears throat> there was some element of bravery, certainly. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to know where the line is between, like, uh, positioning your brand and being brave at this stage of social media, mm-hmm. like uh, something that is new and like trending, uh, is good for your brand. Um, but so it's hard to it's hard to know what the motive was. Is it bra- mo- motivated by bravery? Was it motivated by uh, wanting to build a brand? Uh, was it just motivated by general helpfulness of getting the word out about monkeypox? It's it, for me, it's hard to say what the motive is. Okay. Al, let me ask you this. Was it, is this too much information? I mean, this is, you get lesions in uh, your genital areas. Okay. You know, if he starts uh, posting pictures of it, then I mean, then yes. <laughs> that's uh, what, go ahead. I just think when it comes to, you know, the, to this, okay, uh, it's definitely something that you, want to be sensitive about uh he he should definitely tell any partners that he's been with about this i mean i basically treat it like herpes uh you know be upcoming with the people that you need to or you know be forthright with the people that you need to be forthright with but not everybody in the world needs to see your herpes lesions you know i mean that's what i'm wondering if let's let's i this is somewhat akin to herpes although not not perfectly (laughs) akin because You can get monkeypox without sexual contact. That's true. True. But yeah. so if if Matt Easton tweeted out that, hey everybody, I got herpes, is that also being brave? Hey everybody, I contracted syphilis. I I'm not trying to make light of this. I'm really no, this wondering. Is, at question. what point in time is this too much information? These are personal private lesions on your personal private parts. Yeah. So where, it's, I, it's where, I mean, that... I don't think it needs to be everybody's business. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I just, I, I'm wondering, um, am I just, well, first of all, am I just ignorant? Am I bigoted? 
is he paving the way as somebody who says, okay, uh, monkeypox, let's destigmatize it. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with uh, having intimate relationships with somebody who's gay. So let's go ahead and destigmatize it. Mm-hmm. And so he's being brave. Am I just, you know, bigoted in this? Or is this just, hey, you know, this is your own private areas. And, and sure, bring it up with any of your previous sexual partners. But the rest of the world doesn't need to know. What is the line here? That's what I'm wondering. You know, there's something brave about coming out as uh, as a homosexual as the valedictorian of, at BYU, yeah, there, there's a certain amount of bravery, yeah. and I mean, we we've we also had this uh, discussion back then about whether that was the appropriate um, platform for somebody to come out on. Uh, it was definitely more appropriate for Matt Easton to come out on that platform than uh, uh, the m- most recently young lady that just was looking to, you know, buffer her resume with something. Um, yeah, this was. I, I wish him well, but I don't. I don't know that uh, this is uh, everybody's business. I mean, I'm, now I myself, I'm. I caught COVID this last uh, week or two, so you know. Unfortunately, I had to record last week's episode and this week's episode while testing positive, but thankfully we're social distanced to the point that you guys are on opposite ends of the country. I think from where I am. So I'm not so worried about that. And, uh, you know, I'm not really recording in person with people, but it's also something I'm not really advertising all that much. I'm kind of private about it. You know, so anyway, to our listener out there with that, uh, here's me coughing in the background from time to time. That's what's going on. Well, we're glad, we're glad that you're feeling better. And Mm -hmm. obviously everybody has a different level of what they feel the need to share. And and one thing about this is that Matt Easton knows, he knows as a prominent gay Latter-day Saint, Mm -hmm. uh, as one of the very few, that as Mm -hmm. soon as he uh, tweets out that he's got monkeypox, that what's going to happen to him? What are the the sharks on Twitter and social media going to do to him? I think they're going to rip him to shreds. Yeah, they are. (laughs) In fact, somebody uh, tweeted out to him the proclamation of the family. They said Mm -hmm. with his screenshot of him saying we had monkeypox, they tweeted back to him. Mm -hmm. We warned that individuals who violate covenants of chastity will one day stand accountable before God. Further, we warned that the disintegration of the family will bring upon individuals, uh, communities and nations the calamities foretold by ancient and modern prophets, end quote. Yeah. So so we're back to the uh, the old argument of uh, God created AIDS to eradicate the homosexual community, because, you know, that's really what I see this as akin to being. This is kind of like AIDS was in the 90s. Pretty much. Monkeypox is the modern equivalent today. And Matt Easton knew that going in. He knows. I mean, mm-hmm. he's he's already dealt with all of this stuff many times yep. before. So in some ways, that is very brave. Sure. You know, he's trying to destigmatize it. He's trying to say, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with uh, my life. You know, there's nothing wrong with being gay. There's nothing wrong with anything mm-hmm. that I'm doing. So just love me for who I am. And uh, I'm, I'm going to shine a light on this. And there's no reason to have a big stigma associated with it. Mm-hmm. So in that way, it's very brave. But in another way, mm-hmm. it's just too much information, and I can't make up my mind which one is which. Um, so to our listeners out there, hey, we're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, Twitter, we're at, at News Mormon, and on Facebook, we're at uh, – uh, come find us on Facebook, Facebook uh, backslash Mormon News Roundup. Let us know your thoughts about Matt Easton uh, and where do you stand on, 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 his, mm-hmm. on, on his monkey pox. Yeah. Okay, and that brings us to our last two big articles for the week. Mm-hmm. 
And they're kind of related, actually. Uh, I'll take the first one. The Boy okay. Scouts ruling threatens the $250 million abuse deal with the Mormons. So the LDS Church, and this, this is coming from Bloomberg.com, and uh, the LDS Church has gone to court um, as being a part of that whole lawsuit with the BSA. And uh, the LDS Church has said, look, we'll pay our $250 million for this as long as the court gives us um, legal protections from any of those uh, lawsuits coming in again against the LDS church. And so they're, they're looking to just have a, a one time 250 million of a, well, this is supposed to be, I think a $2.7 billion payoff. Um, and so that they're, they're really trying to get a, out of this as easily as they can and the judge has seen right through it and rejected it yeah the judge is saying no nope, we're not going to give you amnesty for anything right yeah yeah <clears throat> so the basic exciting you know but the church is the church settled say lost 250 million plus insurance mm-hmm. uh, and insurance from the church is going to be somewhere around a billion dollar mark so the total payout mm-hmm. to there's like eighty thousand boy scout victims of sexual abuse if you tally up all of the payments from the church, the church's insurer, Methodist Church, Methodist Church insurer, Boy Scout of America, Boy Scout of America insurer, every, all the mm-hmm. different parties that are so everybody who ran a troop has got to, had to cough up for this thing. It's going to be somewhere almost uh, almost a three billion dollars. If you chop out attorney's fees and you do the math, it seems like about every victim is going to get around thirty thousand dollars, give or take. Yeah. Obviously, some of the more egregious cases will get more. Some of the less mm. egregious cases will get less. And sure. this is um, – now, Mormon Stories, by the way, did a podcast on this. And let me tell you that they got their numbers wrong because they own, they didn't understand the insurance payouts. Because if you take mm-hmm. 80,000 victims and divide it by the churches, uh, what they paid out of Enzyme Peak, which is $250 million, that comes out to a paltry sum of only $3,000 apiece, which would be an outrage. Yeah. So – if you, but you've got to put the insurance in there. So basically with this ruling, this judge, the church is trying to say on this article that, OK, we, we, we've copped up $250 million for sex abuse, and we want that to cover not only the Boy Scouts, but all future sex, sex abuse claims. Mm-hmm. And the judge is like, um, no, that's, yeah. that's, that's, a, that's a hard <laughs> no. Uh, John, did you read this article? What did, what did you get from it? Yeah, I mean, I think I agree with what you're saying. It makes total sense what the judge decided, uh, and it's it's – very tricky situation for the church going forward, I think. Yeah, is for sure. This is not, uh, this isn't uh, a situation where I, I don't think this is an LDS judge for one thing. If he is, he's very fair and very straight down the line. I believe that, in fact, it's not even a he, I believe it's a she. It's Silverman is the name of the, yeah. the judge. And boy, she is, she's hard hitting. Yeah. She's, she's, she doesn't put up with it. No yeah. nonsense lady. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm not a lawyer, but I don't understand how settling the Boy Scout abuse would affect other non-Boy Scout related claims. Uh, it was I mean, a reach. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the church is really, really trying to uh, trying, trying to reduce their liability in the future mm-hmm. because um, this was just the, for Boy Scouts. The Scout. near future. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it looks like based upon uh, anything else on this article, uh, before we move on to our future article of the week, guys. I don't think so. I think this is a great way to jump into it. Yeah, yeah. because it looks like the church is going to need a lot more uh, resources for these sex abuse claims, because that's what we saw this week from the Associated mm-hmm. Press. Uh, this was from Michael uh, Reddet. 
residence, oh, sorry, uh, dropped mm-hmm. on August 4th, 2022. And I actually watched a, a video of an interview uh, uh, from the uh, reporter here. So this was uh, the title of the article is Seven Years of Sex Abuse, How Mormon Officials Let It Happen. And this is just really, uh, really making it the rounds. Uh, basically, let me give you the summary. Basically, the summary of this article is in 1995, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints established a helpline for bishops and other church leaders seeking guidance on reporting allegations of sexual abuse. Helpline calls are often referred to a law firm that represents the church and is responsible for alerting the church to potentially costly, costly sexual abuse lawsuits. In this particular case, Paul Adams, who repeatedly raped both his daughters and an uh, Arizona LDS bishop, uh, excuse me, the LDS bishop, who Paul Adams was raping his daughters and an Arizona LDS bishop called the helpline and was told to keep the abuse secret because Adams admitted to the abuse during a confession. And Mm -hmm. Arizona does not have mandatory clergy sex abuse reporter requirements. Okay, did I get that about right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, Uh, what's your reaction to this article here, John? Uh, It's a devastating article. Yeah. I can't believe what uh, these young people went through it's just horrific um especially how long it went on how many people knew about it uh just terrible uh on all on all fronts yeah um now uh, let me ask you this question who is let us assume first of all i think we should take the the article for what for what it's worth that the article is mostly accurate we'll get to the church's response in a minute but assuming that what was written into this report was accurate because the reporter went through 13,000 documents on this and a couple of different lawsuits to come to his conclusions about how, how the helpline works. Mm-hmm. Who is really responsible for the bishop not disclosing? Is it the bishop who said that he followed the church's lawyer's instructions not to report? Or is it the people who gave him the advice? Who is ultimately respons- most responsible for the failure of this justice in this article? Uh, that... Is it that's going to be uh, awarded in percentages? I think um, because just because uh, a person holds a particular position doesn't necessarily protect them from uh, the from being responsible for their actions. Um, on the other side of it, you've got a whole bunch of LDS bishops out there that um, have no training whatsoever uh, in counseling or in. Mm-hmm. Even even in like uh, clerical duties, where you are, you know, hearing confessions and uh, and advising people on what to do. I mean, you, mm-hmm. this is, and so the church set up this system to have the hotline where okay, somebody's uh, confessing to abuse, call the hotline, and all that that hotline has been found to do is to advise the bishops on how to protect the church from scandal uh, it's not to protect the victims not to not to help them um not to you know certainly not to get the abuse to stop just to how can we insulate the church from any damage from this as yeah. is what we found as the main purpose of that hotline yeah and paul adams who was the perpetrator here he was excommunicated from the church and then he eventually mm-hmm. committed suicide in jail and his wife who also did not report the abuse, ended up serving, I think it was two and a half years in prison. Yeah, I think that's right. Two or two and a half years in prison. Yeah. I mean, it's just, this is just unbelievable. This is just blowing up the net 
with the amount of people that are just absolutely outraged over this article. Yeah. Meanwhile, mm-hmm. there's two little girls who have been raped once since she was six weeks old. Yeah. You know, that that's a lot of baggage for any child to have to carry. So, I mean, I, I really don't care if the mom rots in prison for the rest of her life or if her dad was tortured to death by a bunch of uh, very angry inmates. There's two little girls out there whose lives have been wrecked because of this guy's uh, behavior. And the church had the opportunity to do something about it. They yeah. never did. Yeah, <laughs> and that's what this, this article brings to light, that confidentiality there's a big issue out there with the difference. Every state and even different countries have different reporting requirements for clergy, uh, mm-hmm. clergy specific reco- reporting requirements. When someone comes to confess to you in your confession mm-hmm. and says, you know, uh, I, I've done sexual abuse, different states have different reporting requirements. Sometimes those are confidential and mm-hmm. you don't have to report them. Other times you do. Yeah. And I, I really think that, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the bishop here could have reported this at any time. Mm-hmm. He definitely could have. Uh, and if he did, maybe uh, maybe the lives would have been saved. You know, maybe maybe his own the, the, the bishop could have saved the, the man's life, saved the two little girls from being uh, tortured, mm-hmm. could have saved the wife from going to prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, the bigger problem to me is the patchwork of the laws that we have of these states that have passed very, very broad and generous clergy mm-hmm. confidentiality. Uh, they call it priest. What do they call it? Priest. priest Act. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's the that is ultimately, in my mind, even maybe as big of a problem in this particular article as anything else. Mm-hmm. Why are these priests having such incredibly broad pri- privileges when people are reporting abuse? Yeah, the the longer I look into this, the more I'm just thinking that churches get far too much special treatment um, compared to your average citizen. When it comes to like charitable donations, I'm all about let's tax churches and let them qualify for tax exemption based off of their charitable donations. Right. Yeah. And same sort of thing for. For all of this, like, why is it that, you know, we have mandatory reporters at our public schools who, if an elementary school teacher finds out that their uh, students being sexually abused at home, they mandatorily have to report it. They can't they are they're uh, guilty of a crime if they don't report it. But uh, if it's a Sunday school teacher, then that's then it's different because of the parents of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's totally it. <clears throat> like the, the special exemptions for churches don't make any sense, and I think they're ultimately immoral. Uh, mm-hmm. Is the example of it. Yeah. Yeah. Thankfully, President Nelson has reacted very strongly to this article, and I, for one, say that it is about time. After reading the article, President Nelson tweeted out on his official Twitter account just this morning. He said, "Quote: I am deeply saddened when I read the Associated Press article this morning. The church does not tolerate abuse in any capacity, and our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim." But for God's sake, can people stop calling us Mormons? <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Okay, never mind. That was... Well, he, he, we, we sure know what his pet beef is, I'll tell you that. <laughs> uh, and also, okay, that's obviously a joke. And also the PR department put out a statement that said, you know, oh, hey, everybody, we know this might look bad, but we promise there's a perfectly reasonable explanation for all this. The Church's Sex Abuse Helpline is sacred not secret <laughs> uh, no seriously the church did have an official response did you guys look at the uh, those are those are fake responses but the church did have an official response did you guys catch that yeah what was the response it got deleted right 
Well, no, no, it wasn't deleted. Yeah, 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 it's still up on Desert News. Yeah, they did some tweets that got deleted from what I heard. Oh, did they? Yeah, revoked some of their tweets. What I, I didn't see that. Um, but what, but yeah, one thing that I did notice, go ahead. No, but I was just going to say that the article that you're pointing to is, is still up. Yeah. I didn't know that they deleted the tweets. Do you know what those tweets were about? Um, something related to this. One second. I can look it up really quickly. Go ahead. Okay. Well, the church responded to the AP story on abuse mm-hmm. of a child and reported hotline. And it said that the abuse of any child or any other individual is inexcusable. And it called into question the AP story. It said that the uh, information was misguided and that it was uh, incomplete and that the church's goals for the helpline is to assist victims, protect the victims and comply with legal requirements. And it took huge issue and umbrage with the entire article um, and just said that the, the AP completely got it wrong. Okay, the AP completely got it wrong after perusing 13 thousand documents yeah and they got it wrong did they? yeah okay i mean and, and so- the church doesn't have a history of this <laughs> you know the associated mm-hmm. press this isn't like mother jones this isn't slate magazine they have a pretty no. high level of uh, journalistic integrity darn right they do yeah yeah so this is this is one where uh i i i gotta say boo to the church on that trying to lay that uh at the feet of poor uh, journalism. That's not poor journalism. This is just the right. church uh, stumbling around trying to cover its butt. Yeah. Um, if you look in the handbook, uh, I want to spend a little bit more time with this article. If you look in the church's handbook, it says in mm-hmm. uh, 38.6.2, mm-hmm. and again, of course, the, the church is not a legalistic religion, right? Of course, never mind. Of course um, not. But, uh, <laughs> it says that when abuse occurs, the first and immediate responsibility of church leaders is to help those who have been abused and to protect vulnerable persons from future abuse. Leaders should not encourage a person to remain in a home or situation that is abusive or unsafe. Um, but I just wonder, how do you encourage a small baby to leave the home? I mean, yeah, six-week-old. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Go, go find your fortune, kid. You know, it's... <laughs> I, that doesn't make a lot of sense. It is, what's interesting also in this section is it says all members, especially parents and leaders, are encouraged to be alert and diligent to do all, all they can to protect children and others against mm-hmm. abuse. If members become aware of instances of abuse, they should report it to civil authorities immediately. Now, what I find interesting about that statement is it does not say that the bishop should do that. Only members. Mm-hmm. And the reason that that is worded the way that it is is because if a member reports it, that person, they can't sue the church. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. In fact, the church encourages if members, if members find sexual abuse, they want them to come out in droves. That's great. Mm-hmm. But not bishops. And why not? Because the bishop could be sued. Yeah. And some of these states where uh, you have this priest privilege, mm-hmm. yes, technically the bishop could be sued and they could sue the church. That's happened even recently where I think it was in Oregon where there was a sexual abuse claim. Oregon has the priest privilege and the mm-hmm. bishop was personally named in the lawsuit and the church. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to defend a bishop here, but imagine that you're a, a somewhat ignorant bishop. I don't know, in some rural neighborhood in Idaho, mm-hmm. you call the helpline and they say, sorry, you don't you are not allowed to report this. And if you do, you can be personally sued. And if the, they win a judgment against you, they're going to take away your farm and your home. Mm hmm. I, I know everyone wants to look at this issue. This is black and white. This is 
this bishop is evil, the church is evil, and what they do is wrong. But what they don't understand yeah. is that there's a lot of laws involved when here. Yes, mm -hmm. could, the, could that bishop have been braved and exposed himself to a lawsuit? Sure. Mm -hmm. I guess that's what Jesus would do. Um, yeah. And it's real easy for people on the outside to say, yeah, that bishop is an evil guy. But mm -hmm. if I was that bishop and the church line told me that I would be sued and that they were supposed to have confidentiality, um, I, I, I don't know what I would do. But uh, it, this isn't just a black and white issue that's going to be. Just, yeah. I mean, but especially when the general handbook of instruction has explicitly laid out there, hey, if you're a bishop, somebody reports abuse to you, this is what you should do. Call this number for the church's, uh, you know, law department or, you know, <laughs> the law arm, the Curtin McConkie. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, I'll, why, is, why is that bishop uh, subject to lose his farm and his house and everything because he's doing what the church told him to do? You know, it's just another, you do have what we have here is a very broken system for sure. And I'm glad that it's coming to light. I'm glad that they're uh, going to have to address it. But I hope that the system that they put in place will be a lot better than what they have now, because what they have now uh, just enables this kind of thing to happen. And well, that's what I'm wondering. Is this article actually going to change anything? Because if there's abuse that's in one of these non-reporter states in the future, is the church going to continue the same line of advice? What needs to change here is the laws that are at the state level, just like John said, that were immoral. Mm -hmm. That's where the real change needs to take place. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. You know, and somebody tweeted out Jim Bennett, who's my famous, uh, uh, my favorite Mormon apologist, by the way. He mm -hmm. said, covenanting, uh, speaking of this article, he said, covenanting not to speak evil of the Lord's anointed is not covenanting to defend systematic failures that enable sexual abuse. If True. defending the church is more important to you than protecting innocent children, then you're doing it wrong. Mm -hmm. So you see all it's amazing on the on the articles this week. All of the ex-Mormons are just lined up. I mean, they are just firing. They This is like shooting mm -hmm. turkeys in a barrel for them. Just mm -hmm. this is the easiest slam dunk. Oh, the church is horrible. The church is not true. The church is terrible. And on the other hand, you have all the TBMs lining up on the other side saying, well, you have bad laws in the system and uh, we need reformation. It's like you can't you, where, where are we going to meet in the middle on this one? Uh, I don't know, but I just uh, think we need to move forward with something because the way it is is just uh, enabling that kind of thing to happen. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What I find interesting also is that KSL this week, they did not run the AP story. Okay. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Okay, wait a minute. Your KSL in Utah, and this mm -hmm. is a huge bombshell all over the country, all over the world. Mm -hmm. The hottest news story of Mormons for the week, and you didn't run it. Mm -hmm. hmm, I wonder why. <laughs> and then guess what? As soon as the church released its statement, guess what? Then all of a sudden it showed up. Now they ran the church's statement. Ah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Of course, naturally. Um, this I was going to play a news. I was going to play a clip here, but we didn't get a chance to because we've got to start wrapping things up. But uh, somebody in Mormon stories talked about a sexual abuse uh, claim that happened a couple of years ago. And they talked about how in the church, see, the bishop is really there's only, I guess, four people in, in the congregation level that have keys of the priesthood. Um, it's what is it? The elders quorum president, the bishop, the mm -hmm. deacons quorum president and the priest quorum president. Is that correct? I believe that. Yeah, is something like that. I believe that is right. So, I mean, what the bishop and the stake president have, they have keys, keys mm -hmm. 
are responsibilities. That's what a key is. It says, yeah. I am responsible for the mm -hmm. members in my congregation, and I'm going to uh, safeguard their welfare, especially the most vulnerable ones. Now, last so, time that I checked, mm -hmm. the Kurt McConkie lawyers, they don't have any keys unless I don't ever remember in general conference having to sustain and raise my hand and say, I sustain the Kurt McConkie lawyers. Do you guys ever remember doing that? No, I, I don't even think that's in the oh. official declarations at the end of the Doctrine and Covenants. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, that could be in the sealed portion of the Book of Mormon. You know, could be. <laughs> that could be in there. Um, <laughs> I, or maybe it could be in one of the facsimiles. I think it's a uh, facsimile three figure 16, Kurt McConkie lawyers. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I've got to look that up. Uh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll do a follow up for next week. But I don't ever remember these sustaining those guys of having they're responsible for anything. They don't have keys. They're not responsible. The buck is supposed to stop with the people who have the keys. If mm -hmm. you don't have the keys, then why does he have a key to begin with? What's the point of having keys if you're not going to take responsibility? Yeah. Okay. I mean, so this system is absolutely broken. It's horrific. Mm -hmm. It needs to be fixed. It needs to change. Mm -hmm. And um, what, I mean, what about that old hymn? Do what is right. Let the consequence follow. Yeah. Okay. So I, I know that in some of these states that, um, that, that there's weird laws on the books. I get that. But like Gandhi said, unjust laws, they must be fought. And you can't just bury this stuff because there's bad laws. That's not a good enough answer for anyone. And it's not a good enough answer for me or any of these victims. You can't hide behind the bad laws at the state level. And just say, sorry, it's the state level loss. That's not good enough. Yeah. So, you know, I call on uh, the church to fix the problem. Um, uh, and we need to do better <laughs> by these victims. We can't see more stories like this coming up. It's just it's an outrage. And, um, I, you know, we're seeing yeah. I, I saw a bunch of tweets out from people who said that quit Mormon is going crazy this week from yep. all of the resignations that this was just stealth breaker and that the you know, this, this is akin to the policy of exclusion in 2015. Like, this is mm -hmm. really having an impact. Yeah. Uh, people like their kids, you know, and not in that way. Yeah. So, uh, it's a tragedy. Um, yeah. Um, hey, uh, d let's go ahead and uh, put the link to that uh, video. I know that we weren't able to get the the audio from it on this uh, this week's episode, but we want to put it in the, the show notes so that anybody that wants to track it down on YouTube can get to that, okay? Yeah. And drop us a like, drop us a comment, drop us a subscription. We're also on Patreon. If you uh, like our content, if you like these news stories, feel free to come on over to Patreon. Uh, drop us a subscription or a donation. We appreciate it very much. Um, I want to thank uh, Al and John for being on the program. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was great to ruminate with all of you on the Great and Spacious Beehive. Yeah. Thank you again yeah. for joining us, uh, John. And it's been, pro it's been a pleasure to meet uh, with you and uh, get to know you a little bit. And we wish you the best of luck in, uh, in your journeys going forward, okay? Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, we also want to send a, a good thanks out to our friend Weird Alma, who has uh, been so generous to give us the rights to use his uh, music for the intro and the outro. And thanks again to Signature Books for uh, joining with us and sponsoring us uh, in this little project that me and Dives have going on here. Thank you all very much. Yeah.
When it comes to nicknames of the church, such as LDS Church, the Mormon Church, to remove the Lord's name from the Lord's church is a major victory for Satan. 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 Please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a being with no moral constraints. My number one goal is to hurt the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints.